0: Hi, and welcome to the Arana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message from Pastor AJ Hines brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Arana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, thank you this morning that this is good news for everybody that we are singing these words so central to your heart being revealed to us, Lord, that whosoever, whosoever, it's not up to us, Father, to pick the people you love, but it's up to you and everyone is included. You love the world and whosoever believes. And so, Father, thank you that we can carry that in this this morning's time together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. Very good. It is a good day. Everyone was bragging about yesterday, how beautiful the day it was yesterday. I think today is close. What do you reckon? Beautiful outside. The weather is great. I love it when it's not humid, but the sun's shining and the temperature's just right. Um, but it's not always up to me. Um, God, <laughs> God's not sitting there with a switch on the weather, you know. <laughs> um, but it is good to observe His goodness in the place. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is AJ, just part of the team here at Arana. We are having a conversation about being present, so welcome, you are here, I hope you're here, I hope you're not in the worries of tomorrow or the week that's waiting for you, don't worry about it, it's going to happen anyway, <laughs> or in the past, stuck in there, but that you are truly present to this moment, please be present, because sometimes we're not and then we miss what God is saying and showing and revealing, God is waiting for us to experience Him and His presence, not just to talk about Him, but to actually be present in God, and then recognizing that we're not just here because it was a mistake on our GPS, or someone told us a fib about the type of morning tea they serve, which we don't, Um, but that we are here because God has called us here, and in some strange, mysterious way, um, He has placed us and we need to recognize that those are divine places, sacred places. In fact, there are no, Wendell Berry says, there are no sacred and unsacred places. There are only sacred and desecrated places. And it is our job, as His people created in image and likeness, to reestablish the sacredness of God on this world and in the places he places us. So that's the chat that we're having. We've been looking at St Benedict of Nursia, this saint who established a vow of stability between his monks. And so much so that I think it's important for us to recognize in an age of hypermobility that we are actually called often not to just leave and God does send us and he's a sending God, but to be present and to stay. Sometimes important saints are always known uh, and saints are always made somewhere, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Benedict of Nursia, Simon of Verana Hills, <laughs> Pete, I don't know where you live, Pete, I do actually, we won't tell it, we won't say it publicly, it's okay, you can ask him his address in private, I won't break that law. So we've been moving in the first half of this series and the term we've been moving from a lot of good Principles. Uh, We've been speaking about home, about work, about church life and where we find ourselves and it's been tremendous because we have not had people here who are simply philosophers but people who are practitioners so important that when we do hand the mic to folks that they practice it doesn't mean they don't fail uh, they often do sometimes more than they succeed like myself but they are practitioners they are people who want to implement this good news into their daily life and indeed it is why we gather is that we would want to ask god lord how is what you've done to thousand years ago actually relevant to my life here and now but we are moving from principles into practice and last week one of the practices one of the postures that we spoke about was the posture of seeking inward it indeed starts with us and here are the five things we are going to speak about today we'll speak about seeking to understand but everything starts with you, is we so easily move past that point when we look to impact or implement or change our world, because we know what's wrong with them. We know what's broken in them. We know that those kind of people need Jesus. (laughs) We forget that we ourselves always need Him also. It always starts with us. The second posture then, which we speak about today, is seeking to understand, I think it is absolutely essential before we start speaking, before we start building big things and expressing what we think is God's will in a certain geographical space, that we would seek to be students, that we would seek to understand the place, the people and the history that we are placed in. That attitude changes everything. I think it's essential for us. If we are bringers of the good news, Evangelion, which means good news evangelist, which means the bringer of good news. You don't necessarily have to be a vocal evangelist on a street corner. You are, can still be a bringer of good news in the context of your life. You are called to do that. But that this would be an essential posture in that place. Because I don't think people are looking for know-it-alls. I don't think the, hung, the world is hungry for folks with a lot of knowledge. I think they're hungry for compassion. I think they're hungry for mercy. I think they're hungry for justice, but in the light of and the posture of us representing the love of God in tangible ways into the world. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think it was some American president who said that. um, Seeking to understand. It is also... Um, our missional framework at this church where we have over the last year three years we've in practice discovered that there's actually a sequence and a process and a pattern towards engaging our world that is important doesn't mean that God wouldn't use you if you don't follow these things (laughs) absolutely not but it helps us to reorganize ourselves in terms of how we approach you see it's not just what you say it's how you say it it's not just what you bring it's how you bring it and how you bring it is what people see in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your street, is the posture with which you move. You can often read people's body language and their intent by the way that they're approaching you, irrespective of what's coming out of their mouth. We build personal credibility by seeking inward. We understand where we are by seeking to understand. All right. Something that we prayed for before the service was that we would take in a posture Um, This morning (laughs) of being like a child. Children are challenging, (laughs) but they're a tremendous gift to us. They're a gift to us because they disrupt us. They challenge us because they make things inconvenient. My boy, three years old, often has the worst nappies just when we want to put him in the car. He doesn't wait for us. He doesn't wait when we are ready. (laughs) Neither do I think it's a conscious decision to annoy us, but it happens. Children are a gift to us. Children are a gift to God and they're in some way uh, indication of the type of posture that we need to take into our world. We don't want to be childish, but I think we can be childlike, which means that we have license to explore and be curious and have fun. Isn't that good news? So it's not a sad and solemn occasion. You're actually here to have fun with friends. I know it's Sunday morning and you have a story and everything and you were out last night and your dishes you have to wash when you get back home and there are bills that are unpaid. You just saw it, put it in a bag somewhere, tried to forget about it. I understand that there are reasons for you not to have fun today. But it's almost like God is saying, hey, do you want to be a rebel? Do you want to stir the pot Do you want to to go against culture? Maybe there's an opportunity for you to be curious, to be playful, and to have fun. Can you be more childlike today? I believe if we take this posture, we would help us to seek to understand in ways that's actually incredibly attractional to the world. They have serious issues, I agree. But if we don't engage it in a playful manner, there's really nothing much attractional about this life. You see, we're not just here to sort things and people out. We're here to enjoy everything that God has given us and has made for us. Um, It is important to be able to smile. So our core text is Jeremiah 29 verse 4 and we've been working through it, uh, last week we said these people are in captivity. They are now put in Babylon for a very specific reason. It's out of this then in verse 13 where God says, but, but I, don't worry, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you to have hope and a future which you'll we'll get to in Christmas. But we specifically focused on the text here where it calls them to be present in place, to build houses and live in them, to seek inward. But then this stood out for me, to plant gardens, And eat their fruit. I initially read this text just quickly and I said, oh, well, you know, just like blonde house. Plant gardens, build houses, whatever, just stay there and then move on. And then I would focus on the last part of this portion where it speaks about seeking peace and well being for the city. But I actually think it's important because you see, you won't plant anything that's not going to grow. Because in a sense, after you've planted yourself, you need to start studying the environment you're in. When I looked at this, I thought they probably had to do a bit of history checking. They probably had to look around their neighborhood as to what and how they're going to plant things in that area for them to partake in just a little thing that jumped out at me as I'm navigating this text Saint Francis of Assisi in the 13th century we know him said it best: grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive ourselves They had to be curious in this foreign land. They had to study their environment in order for them to have influence in it. Seeking to understand is our mission. It's not a bait and switch tactic towards converting people into our ideas of who they are. It is a posture of learning that opens us to our own transformation first. We study God by studying His workmanship. It cultivates kingdom Curiosity. So there's one slide that summarizes what I hope and I dream for this community is that we would discover that we can be learners and learn ourselves. That we are not these high uppity folk that get to learn how to read our Bible and then go and tell all those people, but that we would enter our world with a posture of learning who they are, where they are and what God is doing in their lives. That very thing, that curious posture, is a witness to who God is. It is not us coming in with all the answers and all the solutions. Even though we would have discovered things throughout our life, it is us coming in and saying, Lord, what are you doing in this place? What are you doing amongst these people that changes everything? Not just for us, but for them also. And it isn't a strategy. You see, you don't spend time with someone in order to challenge them, in order to sort them out, in order to fix them. You spend time with them so that they can as well leave an imprint on your life so that you can be a student of them at the same time. There just might be a chance that when you meet someone that's very different than you with a whole different worldview and a whole different experience, that they themselves might be a conduit towards teaching you something towards helping you align towards helping you adjust we don't like it because it's challenging because now we're not entering conversations and relationships uh, on the top level we're entering it from the bottom I used to have in our community work in Melbourne there was a a woman there that um, that had an Islamic background she was a Muslim herself And initially, obviously very hard for her to engage with me in conversation. She not usually speaks to men. And so that was interesting to navigate. But we'd always have a meal before we go into the food bank. And over time, we developed a friendship of sorts where she would share with me her ideas of who God is. And always very affirming about the creation and the largeness and the majesty of the glory of God and the size and all that stuff. And we agreed on so many things. But there came a day when she questioned my agenda. She so said, I don't understand. Why are you talking to me? Like, what's your? what do you want to achieve? Do you want to convert me? <laughs> and we made a deal that day. We said, listen, yes, <laughs> I'd love for you to know God. I'd love for you to know God through the lens of Jesus because it's, it's a nonviolent, uh, not angry. This is the type of God I believe in reflected in Christ. I said, yes, of course. And she said, well, I want to convert you. I said, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> So we made a deal. We said we will remain friends and we would both be open to be changed and transformed. It was challenging. It was challenging for me. It's interesting, she was more open to it than I was. We get nervous when we meet folks from other places. Why? It is because maybe that we've built our own religious system and house upon the things that we've learned or... Are we open to mystery, to discovering that there's more, that God is even bigger than our own understanding? Wow. So these are texts where Paul uses, probably one of my favourite scriptures, they're going to be our focus just for a little bit and it's 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19 to 23. Of course there's context, there's history and there's all that and then we'll get to three very practical ways in which you can seek to understand. This is how it reads, you might know, though I am free, he says, and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible, he says. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, he says, I'm in the law of Christ. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, he says. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, this is why, so that by all possible means I might save some in this translation, it's a bigger conversation, God saves us and so he says then I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings, I love how it ends, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I myself might share in the blessings, But then you're already saved, brother, so what are you doing? Well, he recognizes that there's a blessing in it for him to posture himself towards the other. I love, love, love how the message, the paraphrase from Eugene Peterson states this text. So let's read this together. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. Thank God for that. <laughs> I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. In order to reach a wide range of people, religious, that's a statement, non-religious, meticulous moralists, we don't know any of them, (laughs) loose living immoralists, do you know some of them? Don't look at anyone, just keep your eye (laughs) ahead of you, (laughs) maybe it's you, (laughs) we love you. The defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I think we used that word earlier, in a song i didn't take on their way of life he says very important i kept my bearings in christ but i entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view do you see the seeking to understand posture i've become i've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those i meet into a god saved life I love that. Thank you, Eugene. I did all this because of Jesus, but you know, Eugene was paraphrasing. Anyway, I did all this because of the message. That's his motivation. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. That's massive. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I think he captures something of what Paul says. I just want to sit on the sidelines commentating. That which is obvious. I want it to be in. Because I recognise that when I'm in on it, me, myself receive the blessing and that's sometimes tension and challenge and uncomfortability. (laughs) We don't like to be uncomfortable. Sometimes when we walk the streets or we go to a Christmas party at work, we notice and mark and keep our eye on the folks that we don't want to sit next to because they make us uncomfortable. But maybe it's just those folks that God is calling you to go and sit next to, to ask questions from, to learn from, to be a student of. I don't know what type of person it is for you, but I can remember the type of people that have made me uncomfortable. Once went to a Christian event where a brother was sharing his testimony on a personal level about his life. There was a whole crowd of people that were different to those in the room that came to listen to him. And I remember standing at the bookstand at this event trying to buy his book. And a friend came in next to me that was nearly, at that size, it was a bit thinner. He's nearly two times my size in high heeled stilettos like that, with a beard bigger than mine. And I remember standing next to him. <laughs> And I just was caught by how uncomfortable I was. Maybe that's not your story. Maybe you have a different one. But I caught myself being uncomfortable. I said, dear Lord, I thought I was accepting. I thought I was inclusive. I thought I was open to loving all folks who breathe. Yet in this moment, I am uncomfortable. Is that okay to say? Or is it the brother that, that you meet in the shopping center or on the side of the road that has a noise? I mean, he stinks. Is it that brother or sister that makes you uncomfortable? Was it the one who, talking to himself? You're not, you're not comfortable. You don't know how to read them. You don't know how to engage them. You don't know how to speak to them. Is it that brother or sister that makes you uncomfortable? You see, I think those people are a gift to us. God loves them. God's with them. God made them. There's no other factory that makes humans. I don't know where that comes from. Like he made them. Is there another factory? No? One factory? A divine factory <laughs> that makes human beings? Our biggest challenge is not necessarily those folks. Our biggest challenge is ourselves. And I want to invite you into a journey and a posture that will change your life. And potentially, probably theirs as well. You see, we are there to influence our world. But it's through a posture of humility and a posture of understanding and of listening and of learning and of engaging. Because the moment you say what you think, you've lost them. The moment you're giving them direction, you've lost them. Unless they're invited in. The moment you give them an opinion outside of relationship, you've lost any influence into their life. And that is not the goal. Do you agree? So much fun. So... How do we seek to understand? How do we re-posture ourselves? It's going to be a little bit interactive this morning. giving you a pre-warning, a couple of seconds, so you can prepare yourself. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for (laughs) helping us feel like we can do that today. The first exercise, though, is not going to be anything you say, so you can relax. We're easing into it. Is that right? We're easing into participation this morning. You're not going to be put on the spot or embarrassed. I hope not. So, The first thing we do is we recognize that we need to seek to be a student, we need to seek to ask questions, and we need to seek the good within every place or person that we meet. That's our point of departure into relationships. So, being a student of the story, the place, and its people, we are mapping it out, we're understanding where we are and to whom we are speaking. Can I have some water if someone can help me? Sammy, thank you. Seeking to be a student. Seeking to be a student of our spouse, of our children, of our church, of our street, and of our community. Thank you. Thank you so much. She still loves me. (laughs) That's a a miracle. (laughs) Seeking to be a student. This is easier said than done. When we ourselves know what we want to fix in those closest to us, never mind ourselves. But I promise you it can change your world when you seek to be a student of your spouse and of your children, your church, your street and your community. In fact, it is the greatest way that you can influence it. When you posture as a student, there's a couple of things on the next slide that you will find out. And I have this from experience. When you posture as a student, you will find God within his creation we have this western idea that we need to take God somewhere instead of thinking that we could meet him there where he is we are not the sole carriers of God although he lives within us in his fullness God is everywhere and there where you go one of the greatest mysteries and discoveries is to walk into a place that you think God was not but to meet him there in that place how can it be, AJ? You know, like, what about a nightclub? And, 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 and I'm not going to give other examples. <laughs> what about these other places? Is God not there and I have to take Him? I believe that when you enter it with a posture of seeking to understand, of course, in wisdom and with guidance, check with your family and so forth, um, I believe that you will discover God there. Maybe not in the ways that you expect either. The second thing I think which you will discover is that you yourself would be open to learn and to be transformed. Transformation doesn't happen usually in comfortable places. It happens in uncomfortable places. Those who've been on missions trip know how that feels and many of you have been in those spaces. And then the third thing which I think is absolutely essential is that we give witness to the nature of God to other people when we are a student. I sense agreement in the room. So the first exercise we have for the day, it's an exercise in watching people. I'm a people watcher, I should drink my water, okay. Try not to kick it over. Should I close it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, we're a team it's really good I didn't close it properly so I could still bump it over and it could leave yeah first exercise I want you this is like one of the rare times ever and it's for the sake of the exercise that I'm going to ask you to do this I probably in in any other context I'd never say this because it's not who I am it's not what I posture but I want you to look at a person next to you or someone else in the room and if you haven't done so already this morning don't confess if you have. I want you to judge them a little bit. <laughs> just a little, just not personally. Just look at them and maybe judge is the wrong word. Maybe it's the wrong Maybe just look at them and have a, like a surface level opinion of them. Is that better? Maybe just have like a surface, just a quick, you know, when you ask them, what do you think of them? Just look at them and don't look away because if they see you looking at them, they'll know it's you. And just have a quick level assessment of what you think. Oh, that's a tired mother right there. Must be a second child. You can see, she must have had boys. Oh, you know. I don't know for the job he's doing. I don't know where he buys those shoes. Can <laughs> he afford them? The, way the dress she's wearing. I don't. That, you know, it looks a little bit like an op shop dress, but come on, you guys are so pure hearted, you never do that, you never, you never have a quick moment of reflecting like that on other folks, when the kids scream and you're like, oh, mm. someone can just give that parent some parenting advice right now, that will be great, can you hear that child, can someone just remove that child, where are their parents even, they're probably new, probably new Christians. Dude, uh, the youth of today, <laughs> the youth, of that kid, I mean, his dad bought him that car, but he never washes it, he never washes it, so irresponsible, so irresponsible, like mate, that organic roll-on that you're using, <laughs> yes, it doesn't have any aluminium, but bro, <laughs> it's not working, it's <laughs> It's it's a barrier between our relationships creating any sense of depth ever. Change it. Sometimes you get those perfumes as well, it's like toilet spray, you know. Woo! I think you missed the bottle this morning, you didn't put your glasses on. Okay. Keep hold of that first thought. Because none of it would have been as bad as that, right? Because you guys are amazing. Okay. Be a student. Just an observation. We used to do this with gap students. We'd take them to a shopping center. And we'd sit in the food court. Which is a great place to observe people without looking strange or weird or whatever. Because you're doing it while you're eating your chips or your coffee and so forth. Um, and then I'd ask them. I'd say, listen, just look at someone who's seated and having a meal. And, and, and look at them. But form an opinion of them. You don't know them. But not in the spirit. Just of the flesh. Just look at them. Bang. Write it down, so they'd write it down. Second step. Second step. We'll get to now. The second posture and way for us to seek to understand is to ask questions. I believe it's one of the greatest tools we have as soon as we engage someone, get over that initial uncomfortability of being in their environment or being with them or seeing them or spending time. But it is for us to ask questions questions when we're a student of our spouse our children our church our street and our community Um, okay Jesus himself asked that's the same slide I apologize Jesus himself asks 307 questions in the gospel you can put the next one on Tony do you know that if I'm wrong come and correct me he asked 183, in direct response, of which he only, he was asked, 183, sorry, of which he only answered three. So Jesus asks 307, he was asked 183, of which he only answered three. Tremendous. Why did Jesus do that? I believe that one of the reasons he did that is because he knew that questions gives you the capacity to dive into the root cause of what is happening in that person's life, whereas answers closes the door. I've experienced this with people one-on-one, and you know the five levels of questions that you get in terms of dissecting business and getting together. I don't know if you know that strategy where you just ask why five times, the five whys. Do you know that? It's super annoying. (laughs) And don't practice this with someone one-on-one when you have a conversation with them. Why? why why (laughs) sounds like my boy why why and then the fifth why you get to the answer questions opens us up to conversation it opens us up to explore to have context there's nothing worse than having a conversation with someone and they judge you and they pick something up and they just give you an answer when they don't actually spend the time to ask you those questions to sink a little bit deeper into who you are and the reasons that you are as you are. It makes all the difference when you get to know someone. I've been here three years in this church and I must admit to you that in the first year or two, uh, I would see people, meet them, have a little bit of an engagement and, and think that they were so unkind. <laughs> Not very, very small group of people. Very small group. Like, maybe like Three. Maybe it's, won't name them. But I was like, man, like, can you just smile a little bit? Can someone tickle you? Can someone just tickle this brother here? So you can just laugh a little bit. But you see, you don't understand. You don't know their story. You don't even know their mindset. You don't even know their mental health. You don't know their history. You don't know if they may be in an incredibly abusive environment where they have to survive every day and yet they enter. But what you think is you think that they're a grump but you don't know them. I'm not saying that we can just take negative behavior from people all the time because we don't know their story. We can call it out when it hurts us, when it changes the room and so forth. But it's important to ask questions. The greatest tool for us to engage our world, our children. What things can we learn from them? But it asks something and it asks time and it asks curiosity and it gives the opportunity to be surprised. Walter Brueggemann in his book on the Psalms, Spirituality of the Psalms, he says, The dominant ideology of our culture is committed to continuity and success and to the avoidance of pain, hurt and loss. The dominant culture is also resistant to genuine newness and real surprise. It is curious but true that surprise is as unwelcome as is loss. And our culture is organized to prevent the experience of both. Somehow, especially so in the last two years, surprise has become our enemy. We don't want to be surprised, but deeply within us there's this desire to experience new things in new ways. But typically, uh, surprise puts us off, ask questions, and you might be surprised, and then the third one, so before we get to the third one, we get to our second exercise this morning, and this is a little bit more involved, in the second posture and exercise of watching people, remember the little picture you had of the person you looked at, and had a bit of a thought about, Firstly, A and B, watch them again, subtly, through God's eyes. I mean, this could take a while. (laughs) So we do this with students. We say, okay, write down what what you think of them, just on the flesh level. Now, write a second line, watch them through God's eyes. What does God have to say? What does he think? Again, you don't know the story. You don't know the narrative. You haven't been in their shoes. And I get that. It's always better through relationship. Watch them and then ask them a question. we send seen the students, maybe they'll go past them. and They'll say, oh, sorry, do you know where the bank is? Or do you know where the toilets are? Or um, I'm not sure where I, where I park my car. Do you know where the parking is? But something very generic where it op- opens the opportunity for a conversation. And if you don't have a question, You can do something else next, after this. So you've looked at someone, you've asked yourself what God thinks of them. I'm gonna give two or three minutes for you to ask them a question. It can be anything. It can be stupid, it can be childlike, It it can make tremendous sense. We're not offending them and we're not delving deep into their personal lives, okay, just a couple of things, but ask them a question. And if it's the person next to you, do it with them, that's fine. Okay, we'll give you a bit of time. All right, that's good, that's good, you can continue your chat afterwards, so very little time to ask two questions. I didn't see many of you stand up and walk around, but that's maybe because you're uncomfortable with the person that you looked at or judged a bit earlier, Um, but it is a great little exercise. All right, two points down, you're going to talk to the same person again, or actually go to the one you checked out earlier the third thing that I believe is very important after we seek to um, engage people seek to be a student and seek to ask questions I think this is essential when we seek to understand we seek the good it is very easy to at least at first when you meet someone to see the bad To see the negative, to see the things that stand out to you as a challenge or a barrier or a hurdle for your relationship. So you have to seek the good. When we start with the strengths or the assets of a people or a place, we evoke latent potential. Again, Brueggemann says in Journey to the Common Good, those who sign on and depart the system of anxious scarcity become the history makers In the neighborhoods, those who see the potential, those who see the God given gift in the context of the company they have, the people they meet, the neighborhoods they live in, those who speak life, our kingdom. They're not held down by the challenges. You see, even our city has things that we ourselves cannot solve on our own. There are challenges in the fostering system that we can't even figure out how to do them, never mind get involved ourselves. There are things in domestic violence, there are things in drug use, there are things in our neighbourhood that we don't have a grip or a handle on except for the hope of a unified church in our region. But when we seek the good things that are there, we can start. When we focus on the needs as a primary place of departure, we can often be overwhelmed by the size of it. And I believe that if we start with the good right in front of us and we focus on the strength, some of you do this in your personality assessments through Strength Finder, but if you focus on the strength and the asset and the gift right in front of you, When you are then presented with a need that aligns to that strength or gift, it's like the audible voice of God saying, do it, otherwise you're an idiot. (laughs) It's obvious. When you focus on the strength and it happens to cross a need in someone's life, it is a divine voice of God that says, you are here for a reason to see something change. I think it changes the way we engage. It changes our posture to our world. It's interesting, as Katie was speaking about bees a couple of weeks ago, the whole bee in the context of a hive is so helpful for us because even though we are not best friends with those in our street, we share it with them. It's this incredible ecological perspective that we are here for the benefit of the whole. Bees though, when they are moved, and I only read up about this a couple of weeks ago, find it incredibly challenging to find their hives again, especially when we move them when they navigate navigate themselves towards their hive after they've exited they actually use different ways to guide them one of the ways is they fly on the angle of the sun and so they actually find and navigate their way by the angle in which they're flying against the light and in that way they can find their way back another way is they memorize their environment and over time it's easier for them because they remember where they go they mark it they map it's uh, acid based community development is like my jam and that's the place where I, or honey, but that's the place where I learn about these things. But then the most interesting thing is when they are completely moved out of their environment and they're placed in an environment that they do not understand, there's a gene, an EG1 gene that kicks into play that helps them to in a very short space of time absorb its local environment. There's an acceleration of absorption of awareness. And I believe that within every human being there's this capacity that when we are misplaced and we are in a different environment, God gives us this kingdom awareness, this grace that in a very short period of time, find ourselves, locate ourselves and locate the environment in which God has placed us. As an immigrant, I, we have found this that living in three different cities and, or three different countries that you enter every one of them in a different way but you have this posture of seeking to understand Because you know that if you don't, you won't make it. You don't have a network. You don't have people around you that just are ready to help you at the drop of a hat. And we've found that one of the best ways to do that is to join another hive with a mother bee, another church. Because it's within the context of that community that you quickly shoot down roots. When you can plant yourself in a place with common folk. that are connected by the purpose of God. I believe he gives us the capacity that even when we change jobs, that there's favor on us, that when we plant ourselves in those places, that he makes us aware of the safe spaces, of the way and the people we can engage with, of the opportunities and the strengths of that environment. I believe he gives us a kingdom capacity to map. When we seek the good, of the environment that we are in. So maybe as a last little exercise before we have communion and pray together this morning, that that same person that you watched and uh, made an observation initially about who they are, we won't use that other word um, anymore. Uh, and then the one that you asked the question of, maybe you can just look at them and maybe you'll be a little bit bolder now in going to them and moving from your seat, even if you just met them earlier this morning. To say something good to them. Either about what you learned from them when you asked the question. Or to simply give them a blessing. I wonder if we can do that for a little bit. The team will will come up so long and join us as we finish our time. Why Why don't you do that? Why don't you look to the person you asked the question of. And speak goodness over them. Edify them, give them a compliment or give them a blessing this morning. Maybe just it's God's word flowing through you as you posture yourself to learn from them this morning. I want to invite you to do that. Thank you. Very good. There's going to be more time for you to continue blessing each other speaking life over each other. But can we say this this morning, that we reposture ourselves as a faith community. And we've been doing this for a couple of years now, but that we seek to understand by being a student, by asking questions and by seeking the good before we move towards solutions or changes in our world i believe that each one of us is called to be an agent of god's love and his grace in the places that he's placed us and one of the greatest gifts we can have is to have the same faith in people that god has instead of trying to convert every soul because we don't do that god saves them reveals to them guides them pursues them You see, we believe in them and we have faith in them because God believes in us. God has faith in us. We're nearly ready to have communion this morning and I've got a very specific scripture that I wanna read over you before we take it together. You can open it. Those who haven't started already. I think that this is an important truth and what you did a little bit of and I really hope that some of you did was you spoke a blessing over this other person and you invested something into their life sometimes when I I take my boy to bed at night Alpha John is three years old um, he lays in my arm and then he's, he's at that place where he's not completely asleep yet but he's nearly there and a little bit of insight into my personal conviction, I I lay with Him and I start whispering things into His ear. Things that are not yet. Things that are unseen. Things that haven't manifested itself in His little body. Things that He has not discovered. Anything really that comes to mind that can be a blessing on Him. I say things like, I love you, Alpha John. I believe in you, Alpha John. I'm proud of you, Alpha John. You're important, you're special, you're welcome. You're wonderful, you're a mystery. You're an adventure. The world is waiting. Don't be scared. You're never alone. I believe it's in the context and the strength of these words that His sense of who He is and how He's made and how He identifies Himself later when He starts looking into mirrors. I believe these things are like little seeds that reveal His worth and His identity and His purpose. We have the same when we look into Scripture. It speaks to us. When we're baptized, it speaks to us. When we have communion like this morning, it speaks to us. It speaks the unseen things into being. It speaks that which is, which is maybe dormant or latent. It speaks that which is underneath the surface into view. It speaks it into life within us. Two Corinthians three eighteen says now, in the mirror translation, says now we all, with new understanding, see ourselves in Him, as in a mirror. The days of window shopping are over. In Him, every face is unveiled. In gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form, we suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror. When every feature of His image articulated in Christ. Is reflected within us. This meal we are having is a meal of remembrance, not just of what God has done, but of who we are, of how valuable of our, we are, of how precious we are, of how set apart or holy we are, we are the sanctified ones, we are the pure of heart ones, we are the innocence of God in flesh. Dribble, my boy, dribble. Don't stop him. Have fun. Disrupt the room. Make a noise. <laughs> Be your true self fully. The Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity. You just can't bless someone enough. You can't love them enough. You can't edify them enough. Stop worrying that they're going to be spoiled. It's your sense of scarcity that is spoiling their identity. We've got our masks off and God's brilliance is bouncing off our faces. We're grow, glowing from knowing. I love that. We're glowing from knowing. Father, as we take this meal... We recognise what You have done to show us, to showcase Your very love made flesh, to show us the type of servant You are and to show us who we are. Lord, when we take this meal, there's an awakening that establishes itself within our being that is so much larger than we ever can recognise, so much more out there, so much freer, so much, so much more innocent so much more radiance, we are meant to shine. So Lord, if there's any older brothers in the room, we speak life over them. But we do not listen to their voices as they try and keep us small, or they try and keep us quiet, or they try and keep us in our place. We listen to you the one who pursues us, who calls us, who runs towards us. He says, ha ha ha, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Even though he disappoints me, I embrace him and I kiss him on his lips before he, before he condemns himself. I kiss him and I embrace him and I welcome him. Lord, thank you that we are your children and that we can be childlike in this world. As we take this meal our innocence is affirmed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.